Good morning, everyone. Today we will begin our study in the book of Philippians, or what is also known as the Epistle of Joy. Why? Because Paul mentions the simple word of joy some 16 times within the four short chapters that we will be looking at over the next couple weeks. The word joy, it is defined by Webster as an emotion evoked by well-being, success, or good fortune, or simply a state of happiness. And yet, it is amazing how quickly our joy and our happiness can fade if God is not the source. In preparing for the sermon, I read a joke about a prisoner who was digging a tunnel out of prison. And he was slowly making progress day by day. But with just a spoon for a shovel, it seemed like an impossible task. But after numerous years of blood and sweat, he finally managed to reach the surface outside the prison grounds. And he was overwhelmed with joy and happiness at the thought of finally being free. So much so, he could no longer hold back his excitement, and he started shouting at the top of his lungs, I'm free! I'm free! I'm free! Just then, a little boy passing by looked up at him with an unimpressed look on his face. Said, you're free, huh? No big deal. I'm four. It is amazing how quickly our joy and our happiness can fade if God is not the source. Theologian G.K. Chesterton said that atheist sees beauty but has no one to thank, thus no one to be happy in. And what is so remarkable this morning about this epistle of joy that we are reading, the book of Philippians, are the circumstances in which Paul is in when he writes this book. He starts his greeting this morning at church in verses 1 and 2, saying, Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus, to all the saints in Christ Jesus who are at Philippi, with the overseers and deacons, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Paul and Timothy writing to this church in Philippi, in short, when Paul is in jail. Paul is on house arrest in Rome when he writes this book. Why? Because a couple years earlier, he was arrested and attacked by a mob who believe he violated temple law by bringing the Gentiles or bringing Gentiles into the temple and thus this mob became angry and tried to kill him and amidst the chaos that was taking place Roman soldiers show up leaders of Rome show up they take Paul away they throw him in prison for two years then they sail him over to Rome and put him on house arrest and that is where Paul is at when he writes this letter to the church in Philippi And you may be wondering, well, where does Philippi, or this church in Philippi, come from? Well, about ten years before all this transpired and took place, Acts 16 says that Paul had a vision 
a vision of a man from Macedonia saying, come over to Macedonia, or what we would consider northern Greece, and help us. So Paul concludes that God is calling him to go over to Macedonia and preach the gospel. So Paul goes to Macedonia, and he preaches the gospel in a city called Philippi. And the Lord opens ears to hear in this city. Individuals are baptized and a church begins. And this church, in hearing that the founder of their church is now in prison, they send Paul a gift. So Paul, in part then, is writing back to this church in Philippi to communicate with them, to let them know he is okay, to thank them for their gift, and while he is in prison, to encourage them in their faith. We will be looking at this morning from the text four different causes of Christian joy. It is not an exhaustive list, it's just four things that come up from the text. But the thread that weaves all four of these causes together, the theme of our message this morning, our thesis this morning is this that the source of true joy now and forever is to trust, submit, and follow Jesus Christ until he returns. Our main theme this morning, our thesis this morning, the source of true joy now and forever is to trust, submit, and follow Jesus Christ until he returns. Our text this morning is Philippians chapter 1, verses 1 through 11. It is found on page 980 in your pew Bible. I would highly recommend you following along with me this morning. Again, we are in Philippians chapter 1, and we will be looking at verses 1 through 11 this morning. The Apostle Paul writes, Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus, to all the saints in Christ Jesus who are at Philippi with the overseers and deacons, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God in all my remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine for you all, making my prayer with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. And I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. It is right for me to feel this way about you all, because I hold you in my heart. For you are all partakers with me of grace, both in my imprisonment and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel. For God is my witness, how I yearn for you all with the affection of Christ Jesus. And it is my prayer that your love may abound more and more with knowledge and all discernment, so that you may approve what is excellent and so be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ, to the glory and praise of of God. Let's pray, church. Heavenly Father, 
Lord, we pray for your help this morning as we start the book of Philippians. Give us clarity this morning to hear your word. Open our eyes to it. Lord, let you be the source of all of our joy. Let us take joy in loving each other. Let us be joyful and trusting in your gift of salvation that you will keep your children. Let us be joyful in the fact that we can receive joy from one another and we can receive love from one another. Father, we pray that you glorify yourself today among us. Help my lisping, sinful tongue. Let me be bold in my conviction this morning. Let me be true and accurate in showcasing this dear church who you are. Help me, Father, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Our first point this morning calls number one of Christian joy. There is much joy, church, in loving one another. Verses three through five. Paul writes, I thank my God in all my remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine for you all, making my prayer with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. Church, how perfectly does this text summarize and display and showcase the love, the care, the pride a pastor should have for his flock, for his congregation? Paul's saying that every time he remembers back about this church in Philippi, every time he thinks about this church, every time he prays for this church, There is no sense of pain that comes up. There is no sense of anxiety or distrust. But every time he remembers and prays for the church in Philippi, it causes him great joy. It causes him cheerfulness and delight. Why? Verse 5, it says, Because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now, because of this church's, because of this congregation's genuine partnership in the gospel with Paul. There was union in the gospel. There was fellowship in the gospel. There was a common interest between Paul and the church, and it was the gospel. They, as a body, were able to supernaturally love each other because they have been exper- they experienced God's love in the gospel. 1 John 4.19 says, we are able to love because he, God, loved us first. And as Christians who have been saved by grace, we cannot help then but love and care for each other in the body. And it was displayed profoundly from this church in Philippi. Consider Lydia for a second. She was the first Christian convert at Philippi. In Acts 16, it says that the Lord opened her heart to pay attention to what was said by Paul, his preaching of the gospel. And after she was baptized and her household as well, she urged Paul saying, if you have judged me to be faithful to the Lord, come to my house and stay. She has faith. 
She was baptized and then instantly welcomes Paul into her house to stay and be cared for. As Christians, we are naturally committed to caring for the needs of those within the congregation. And this is not just an outlier in this church in Philippi. This is the natural response of the Christian. Consider the Philippian jailer then, right after Lydia. Paul and Silas, Paul's running mate Silas, they're in jail in Philippi. And in Acts 16, it says that he, the Philippian jailer, took them the same hour of the night. He washed their wounds and was baptized at once. He and all his family. Paul preached the gospel to them while he was in jail. And these men were baptized and they took Paul at once. And then he brought Paul to his house. He set food before him and rejoiced along with his entire household that they all believed in God. They were saved, they were baptized, and then love and affection for his new brothers in Christ come gushing out from him. Church, if you want application from the text this morning, here it is in verses 3 through 5. Lovingly challenge yourself and ask yourself this this morning. How are we at loving our brothers and sisters here at New Hope Christian Fellowship? When was the last time that we asked a family from New Hope to come come over and to enjoy a meal with us? When was the last time we gave a ride to someone at New Hope who was unable to drive? When was the last time we brought a meal over to a family who just had a newborn child? Galatians 5.13 says, You, my brothers and sisters, you were called to be free, but do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. Rather, serve one another humbly in love. New Hope, we are partners in the gospel together. Thus, let us genuinely love the gospel and then profoundly love each other. And I can promise you there is much joy in being able to genuinely and profoundly love each other. Our second cause of Christian joy this morning from the text. It is to know without a shadow of a doubt that God never, ever, ever will lose his children. Verse 6. It says, And I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. And I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. What encouragement there is in this verse for the Christian. Under the apostolic authority given to him by the Holy Spirit himself, Paul is sure, he is convinced, and he is confident without a shadow of a doubt based on the character of God, based on the work of Christ and the gospel message itself. If God gives us the grace we need to have faith, then he will give us the grace we need to see him in 
eternal glory. If God plants the seed of saving grace into your heart, he does not then grow tired of tending to that work. If God plants the seed of saving grace into your heart, God does not grow frustrated in taking care of that work. He does not walk away from that work. He does not stop that work. If God begins the work of saving grace in your heart, he guarantees that he will persevere, that he will preserve your faith in Christ until you reach salvation. God does not, not, not lose his children. He keeps all of his children until they see salvation for themselves. There is a scene in John Bunyan's book, The Pilgrim's Progress, where the main character named Christian meets another character named Interpreter. And it's Interpreter's goal to teach Christian the truths he needs about the Christian life. So two characters, Christian and Interpreter. And it's Interpreter's job to teach Christian the things he needs to know about the Christian life. So Christian shares a dream he had where there's a fire burning against a wall. And there's a man standing beside it who's dumping water on it to extinguish the fire. But every time he does it, the fire only burns higher and hotter. So Christian asked, what does this mean? An interpreter answers, he says, the fire is the work of grace that has formed in your heart. And he that dumps water on it to extinguish it, that is the devil. But since you have seen the fire burn higher and hotter, I'm going to show you the reason why it keeps burning higher and hotter. So interpreter then takes Christian behind the wall where he sees another man a man with a vessel of oil in his hand in which he continually throws onto the fire. And Christian asked, well, what does this mean? An interpreter answers and says, that man is Jesus Christ, who continually with the oil of his grace maintains the work already begun in your heart no matter what the devil does. Church, God has a perfect plan of salvation for each one of his children. God has a perfect order of salvation for his children. Romans 8, 29 through 31. For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son in order that he might be the first one among many brothers. And those whom he predestined, he also called. And those whom he called, he also justified. And those whom he justified, he also glorifies. God will not lose one of his children. Jesus Christ says in John 6, 37, all that the Father gives me will come to me, and whoever comes to me, I will never cast out. 
And how do we know this to be true, brother Christian, sister Christian? Ephesians 1, 13 and 14. We are sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of his glory. God will persevere in the work of salvation for his children until it's complete, until we see Jesus Christ face to face. Oh, Christian, there is much joy in God's perfect plan of salvation for each one of his children. Cause number three this morning of Christian joy. The fact that we can receive from our brothers and sisters in Christ love in our time of need. That we can receive love from our brothers and sisters in Christ when we need it the most. Verses 7 and 8. Paul writes, It is right for me to feel this way about you all because I hold you in my heart. For you are all partakers with me of grace, both in my imprisonment and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel. For God is my witness how I yearn for you all with the affection of Christ Jesus. It is easy to support someone when times are good. It is easy to cheer for our favorite football team when they are winning. It is easy to support our co-worker when they are excelling. But what happens, church, when our favorite football team begins losing? What happens when our co-worker stops excelling? What happens in Paul's case when the founder of your church gets thrown into prison? What happens, church, when our brothers and sisters in Christ start to become persecuted for the sake of the gospel? When our friends get picked on on social media, when our children are bullied at church, when church members are ridiculed at work, what is our response? Do we fall back? This isn't my battle. This could bring some embarrassment to me. This could bring some shame to me. Let's just avoid these sticky situations in this growing secular world. Is that what the church in Philippi did when Paul was thrown into prison and persecuted for the sake of the gospel? No. 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 They kicked up their support tenfold. Just as a father would care for their child who was in trouble no matter the shame it might cause them in the eyes of a, in the secular world. Why? As John Gilb puts it, because Paul and the church, they were all partakers of the electing, redeeming, adopting, regenerating, pardoning, saving grace of God. And this grace formed a union, an unbreakable bond between the church and between Paul, 
Thus, within this union, these people were one with Paul in his imprisonment. They were one with Paul in his defense and in his confirmation of the gospel. They were one with Paul in his pain and in his affliction. It was the mark of the true Christian church. Romans 12 says, we as brothers and sisters in Christ, we rejoice when people rejoice and then we weep with those who weep. As Dr. Thomas Constable puts it, they were not only with Paul in spirit and in prayer in prison, but they were also willing to associate with him, to minister to him, to visit him, to send him gifts while he was in prison. This is the Christian community. Just as Acts 2 points out, they submitted themselves and devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and fellowship, the breaking of bread and prayer together. This is what Christian community looks like. Not only do we give love, but in our times of need, we have a body who is willing to give us love, and we can receive love from one another because as a church body, we have been unified by the blood of Christ. And there is so much joy in receiving love from your brother and sister in Christ in your time of need. Which brings us to calls number four this morning of Christian joy. As Christians, we are able to please our master and creator with our actions in our life through Jesus Christ. We have the ability through Christ to please our Creator. Verses 9 through 11. Paul says, And it is my prayer that you, your love may abound more and more with knowledge and all discernment so that you may approve what is excellent and be so pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. In short, it is Paul's desire, it is Paul's prayer that these dear Christians continue to grow in love. Love for each other and love for God by knowing God more, and by discerning via his word right from wrong so that they can run this Christian race well, avoiding the pitfalls until Christ returns. The late M.R. Dahan noted in one of his sermons that a sheep and a pig... They react differently when they fall into a mud hole. When a sheep falls into a mud hole, they're not happy there. In fact, they struggle and cry out until they get out of that mud hole. But the pig, he goes around looking for mud holes. And when he finds one, he'll slide into the mud with a grunt of satisfaction, squealing only when an attempt is made to pull the pig out. By nature, and without the convicting work of God's Spirit, a sinner 
is like a pig. He seeks evil and temptation and has no desire to be delivered from sin. But the follower of Christ, however, who's compared in the Bible to sheep, now it is a sad fact that all of Christ's sheep do fall into sin, but no born-again Christian will ever be comfortable in such a place. Paul is calling these Christians to grow in their knowledge of God so they can better discern his will. So they can avoid the stumbles and the traps and the pitfalls of this world and run deliberately, run boldly, and run humbly to Christ. Not squealing like pigs in the depths of their sin, but with this growth in their love and their knowledge and their discernment, he says he wants them to be filled with the fruit of righteousness. Like a giant tree whose branches are being weighed down by a large crop, he wants these Christians to be covered and filled with the fruit of righteousness. Service that is pleasing to God. Oh, the joy there is, brother Christian, sister Christian, as we love God more and know God more and discern his will. The joy there is in pleasing our God, our master, and our creator with the actions of our lives. As we close this morning... I will begin by addressing the unbeliever that may be here this morning. This morning you have heard me discuss the marvelous and all-inspiring joy that Christians can possess by trusting and submitting and following our Savior, Jesus Christ. But I said that the thread that put all these causes together this morning, the reason that this joy, these joys are possible is because of the good news of Jesus Christ, the gospel of Jesus Christ. Because based on our own merit, based on our own worthiness, based on our own works and our holiness, we deserve to be condemned to hell forever. And yet, because of God's perfect love and perfect mercy, God himself came into the world as Jesus Christ, who was truly God and truly man. And he lived the life that we never could. He was tempted with sin, just like you or I, and yet never fell victim of sin. And the wrath that we deserved for our sin Christ came down from heaven not to do his own will, but the will of the one who sent him. Jesus Christ stood in our place. He was our substitute. The wrath that we deserved for our sin, Christ took that wrath. And he died for our sins according to the scriptures. He was buried, but he was raised according to the scriptures as well showcasing that he was God, that he was without sin. And if we, if we believe, if we trust in the perfect life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, 
not only are our sins forgiven, but we are clothed with the righteousness of Christ. Thus we can be reconciled, brought back into communion with God through eternity. To the non-Christian that is here this morning, let today be the day that you see the depth and the weight of your sin and that you confess them before Jesus Christ himself. The only one who can wash you as clean as snow, that can clothe you in his righteousness and reconcile you to God forever. And I can promise you, you will experience a joy like none other. Romans 15, 13 says, May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. To the non-believer, I pray today is the day that you are filled with joy and peace as you trust in Christ and Christ alone for the forgiveness of your sins and for your reconciliation back to God forever. And to the believer that is here this morning, to the Christian that is here this morning, you may be sitting there this morning affirming everything that was said, that the source of our joy is the gospel of Christ and Christ alone, and there are beautiful things that bring about joy in the Christian's life. And yet you may still be sitting there this morning thinking that my sense of joy in the gospel, my sense of joy in the Lord feels dull this morning. It is waning. It is not as strong as I would like it to be. Wes, I was up four times last night with my 18-month-old. I'm feeling tired. I'm not feeling joy. Wes, half of my department was laid off at work. Sales are down. I'm feeling anxiety. I'm not feeling joy. Wes, I'm retired. I don't feel like I have a purpose anymore. I'm not feeling real joyful. So you may be sitting there this morning thinking, how, as a Christian, do I increase my joy in the Lord? As Pastor Jim Johnson put it, the most miserable Christians he knows are those who live with a foot in both worlds. Meaning they hedge their bets. Christians who trust the gospel of Jesus Christ and yet are still in search from some type of joy, some type of security from the secular world. And that may be you this morning. Seeking joy from this secular world in your consumerism and the stuff that you buy. Seeking joy potentially this morning in your comforts and your own personal well-being. Seeking joy this morning in our personal liberties, in our individualism, in the ability, oh, maybe I can be self-reliant. As Johnson concludes, half-hearted Christians, they are not happy Christians, if we want to increase our joy in Christ this morning, then we must increase our commitment to Christ this morning. If we want to enhance our joy in Christ, then we must enhance our commitment to Christ. And it is my prayer for us this morning that any idol, 
any worldly game we may be seeking joy from, any worldly vice or impurity that is stealing our eternal joy, that we as a church body lay them down and that we run with zeal, we run with vigor, we run with passion to God's word, learning and discerning and applying his will for our life above all else. And that we grow in the peace and joy that only can be found in salvation. Given to us, guaranteed to us by God himself in the gospel. 1 Peter 1, 8 and 9. Though you have not seen him, you love him. And even though you do not see him now, you believe in him. And are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy. For you are receiving the end result of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Our joy, no matter what happens in this world, brother Christian, sister Christian, it is predicated, the source of it, is that through the gospel, we will receive the end result of our faith. It is the salvation of our souls, and we will be with our Creator forever. There is no greater joy than that. To God be the glory. Let's pray.